Amen. Could we stand tonight and let's just give praise to the Lord all over this building if you're a believer. Would you open your mouth and lift up your hands and your heart and just give Him thanks tonight. He's a good Father. He cares for His children. He's the good shepherd. He watches out for His sheep. We are His people and we are the sheep of His pasture. And He loves us with an everlasting love. We're giving thanks and we're giving praise. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I will bless His name. Even when I may not feel like it, He's still worthy. And He's still good. And He's still faithful. Amen. So good to see all of you here tonight. Thank you. Thank you for being here in the house of the Lord. I want you to know that I'm praying for you and praying for your family. And I appreciate you praying for us. We have um, tried to help others this week. And I've, I've asked Brother David if he would come and help me. <laughs> And so I hope you understand we're, we're just in a season here, right? And so as we have tried to help others, I myself need help. I've never presented myself as anything other than just a man to you. And that's all I'll ever present. I'm just a man that is anointed by God, but I'm still a man. And I still need His help, and I still need His grace, and I still need your prayers. And um, I ask that you would remember Sister Teresa Hurd. She's having to make some very weighty decisions. I've been with her today, and then that's where my wife is at now, is with Sister Teresa. Uh, her son Joe is just not doing well, and she's going to have to, you know, walk it out. But we're going to continue to lift her up and... I appreciate all of your prayers and, and thank you for that. Thank you for praying for me because me and Janet, we need your prayers. And we thank you for the strength of your prayers. Remember those families in need, those that you saw up on the screen and some that you didn't, but you know they have need of our prayers. Amen. Amen. I, would, I would appreciate and I know they would too. You continue to lift them up, the Lord willing. I'll be here Sunday morning. I look forward to bringing you the word. I look forward to seeing you. I look forward to what God is going to do for us. Because God is good. And He, in His only way, knows how to turn things that are meant for our evil. But God will work them for our good. And I believe that with all of my heart. I do. And I love you. Yeah, it may take us a minute, but we'll get through it because the Lord is with us. And so I've just asked Brother David to help me out tonight because I don't want to ever come here half-baked. I want to always come doing my best. And so I appreciate you, Brother Grigsby, willing to help me out tonight. And I know that this church will receive you. You're a wonderful man of God, great preacher, a great leader. Brother David Grigsby, it's an honor to have you tonight. TPC, would you give this man of God a warm, 
appreciation. Thank you so very much. May the Lord bless you. Aren't you glad that you don't just have a preacher, an extraordinary preacher, but you have a pastor who is a shepherd? You believe that? I said, you have a pastor who is a shepherd, who is a servant, who loves every person in this house, those that are not here. And I'm thankful for his friendship and uh, the love of his family. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here tonight with you. Isaiah chapter 40, if you'll turn there. I'd like to talk to you tonight, just, um, I'm just going to ask you to just walk with me through this chapter and believe the Lord shared some things with me in this chapter that I've been through in a personal way, and I hope that it helped you here tonight. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass and the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. Look at your neighbor and say, God's word is still standing. Look at your other neighbor and say, God's word is still true. And nothing, nothing, nothing is going to happen until all of God's word is accomplished. Amen? Verse 9. O Zion, you who bring good tidings. Get up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up and be not afraid. And say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. I want to talk to you from this simple subject today. Behold your God. Lord, I thank you that your presence and your power is in this room. And that means that anything is possible. I know it's Wednesday night, Lord, but every need that's in this room can be met through the power of your word. And I just pray, God, as we speak and pray and believe and preach your word tonight, it would strike our hearts and you would do the work that you need to do, Lord. Let your thoughts become my thoughts. Let your words become my words. Because we know that your word is more powerful than anything else. In Jesus' name. If you're thankful for the word of God, could you put your hands together before you're seated right now? You can be seated. 39 chapters of Isaiah. If you've you've ever read the entire book of Isaiah, you will find that Isaiah has a lot of ups and downs. 39 chapters of Isaiah brings us to Chapter 40. Chapter 40 finds Israel in exile in Babylon. It appears to Israel that God has turned his back on them. 
In the ancient world, if you were a conquered people and put into captivity, it looked like your gods were weaker than the gods of the conquering nation. So Israel now finds themselves in the middle of captivity as they will several times over if you look at history. But they find themselves here in the middle of this captivity once again. And for 39 chapters, we have seen God and Isaiah have a discourse between themselves. And all of a sudden, there is a startling statement here in this chapter. This chapter is filled with powerful promises. But up to this point, Israel has wondered, can God, does he even want to deliver us? And number two, not only does he want to deliver us, after all of these years, does this God that we serve, this God that we cannot see, does he even have the power to deliver us? And so many times we look at Israel and wonder over and over and over again how I was reading this morning uh, in the Gospels, in, in, in Matthew chapter 7, and several times over the Pharisees asked Jesus, show us a sign. We want to know that you are indeed Christ the Messiah. And I'm thinking, I'm scratching my head, looking just through halfway through Matthew. Hasn't he shown you enough? Come on, come on. But so many times over and over, if we'll be real honest, and I, I hope that I'm talking to some honest people here tonight, we get into situations where we kind of wonder, where are you at, God? Can I preach to some honest people here tonight? And maybe we don't let it come out of our mouth, but we kind of let it creep into our spirit. And we've been into circumstances and situations, and I know that this church is grieved uh, uh, terribly over the last few weeks, and, and we can find ourselves in places where we feel absolutely hopeless. And if we were really raw and honest with God, there is sometimes in our life where we feel like God has completely walked away and forsaken us. I know that a lot of us who are mature Christians, it's, it kind of, uh, it, it, we wouldn't want that to come out of our mouth, but I, I was raised in this. I'm a preacher's kid, and uh, I've, been, I've been, God saved me at eight years old, filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in youth camp, and, 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 and my dad baptized me the very next weekend, and I, I've been, I was raised under a pew pastor, and I've been in this. But let me tell you something. There are times in my life when my faith has wavered. There are times in my life when I have looked at God uh, and I've said, God, are you really in this? Uh, there's times in my life where I've looked at my son and most of you know the story of my son. My son is 20 years old. He's mentally retarded and, and uh, autistic and he's never been able to speak a word in, in, in his life. And I held him in that prenatal ICU and I said, God, where are you? Uh, God, I've preached your word. I've prayed for people in the hospital, pastor, and I've seen them raised up from deathbeds. Uh, but God, where are you at right now in this moment? I feel like God, I know, and sometimes we know just enough about God to be dangerous. We know God can do it, but when he doesn't do it like we think he should do it, and when he doesn't do it on our schedule, then that's when that doubt and that fear creeps in. And so here is Israel in the middle of a crisis of faith. 
And here comes God to speak to Israel through his servant like only he can. And then over the last few weeks, I've been on a journey in my own situation, in my own circumstances. And I've been reading through the Gospels and I've been journaling. And I've been writing these things down and some questions that I have to God. And I said, God, where are you at in the middle of my anxiety? Where are you at in the middle of my fears? I told you this and, and, and I'll tell you again. I, I have the gift of worry if worry was a spiritual gift I have that spiritual gift my wife is not a worrier she said when I married you I gave up worrying I just figured I had to have a lot of faith to marry a preacher and God's got it all but I have the gift of worry can I be real honest I have the gift of anxiety and sometimes I gotta talk to God and I gotta write down some questions to God and and sometimes I have to realign myself and the Lord spoke to me uh, so powerfully one morning as I sat at my desk and I wept uh, and I wrote questions down in my journal uh, and he said David I've come to remind you uh, that the greatest antidote in other words the greatest fix to your worry and to your despair uh, and to your fear uh, is to elevate your eyesight and get your eyes off of what is in front of you Get your eyes off of what is in front of you. Get your eyes off of what is around you. It may feel like that you're in an exile of your faith, but if you will just get your eyes up, that's why he told the prophet, he said, send the servant, send the messenger to the highest point of Jerusalem and declare to the people, get your eyes up and behold the glory of your God. So there's four things here that I want, if you're taking notes, there's four things here that I want us to see uh, in this chapter. Uh, number one, the good news for us in the face of God's utter vastness and sovereignty is that he is supremely gentle. God is great enough and big enough and powerful enough to be worshiped, uh, but he is gentle enough to be our great shepherd. And so he starts this off, this declaration off. And he doesn't say, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. No, what does he say? He says, comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. Aren't you glad that your sins have been forgiven? That she has received from the Lord's hand, what? Double for all of her sins. Our God uses his unsurpassed power to comfort, to build up, to redeem, and not to destroy. Our God is not a destructive God. Let me say that again. I, I said our God is not a destructive God. God is for you. He is not against you. If God was against you, you'd know it. But he is for you. I know that sometimes in his discipline, it appears, and it appears to Israel that they had walked away from God and God brought judgment to him. But his final and ultimate purpose has always been to save and to redeem even when his people walk away from him. 
What is this that is to be conveyed? Uh, that is the basis of our comfort. He says it right here in this verse. He said, tell her that her warfare, her hard work uh, has ended. In other words, it's been completed. Uh, that her iniquity and her sin uh, is pardoned. In other words, it's been paid for. Uh, and she shall receive from the Lord's hand uh, from all the suffering uh, that is necessary. Uh, that suffering is about to end. Uh, in other words, what is God saying? Uh, he's saying that your exile wandering, uh, this exile reality, uh, this sense of failure uh, and disappointment uh, and despondency uh, that has come about as a result of your attitude and action against me. God says time out. It's gone on long enough. And I know that this is a prophetic word and it's a messianic word and the end of the story had not been written until Jesus shows up later. But they were discouraged by their enemies. They were ashamed of their rebellion. They were tempted to believe that they had passed the point of no return. Who am I preaching to here today? There is times in our life where we are baptized in discouragement. We are ashamed of the things that we have gone through and done. And we have been tempted to believe that we have passed by the place of the ultimate return. But God has sent his messenger out and he's sending his messenger out on this Wednesday night. And he's saying, I want you to say to my people, comfort them, comfort them. The wonderful love that he has promised. Uh, God's love. Uh, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, God's love can never go back on itself. Uh, God's word can never go back on itself. I am comforted by the fact that God is great enough and big enough and glorious enough for my worship. If God was not big enough for us to worship, he is not important enough for us to give ourselves to. He would say later, I am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. How good do you think God's memory is? Let me say that again. How good do you think God's memory is? He said, I've forgotten your, I have forgotten your sins. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. When the enemy comes against you, he's always dragging up your past. And if you're covered in the blood and the name of Jesus, there is no past. It's just a story and a testimony. And God's come to remind you. I said, God's come to remind you. He's come to comfort you with the power of these words. No matter what's been slung into your face, no matter how the enemy has tried to lie to you uh, and perch yourself on your shoulder uh, in the midnight hour uh, in those destitute times uh, and try to remind you of where you came from uh, you can shake that off uh, and say devil uh, I know that story uh, but that story has been written uh, God is rewriting my story uh, he's putting the stamp uh, of his redemption uh, and his name uh, and his blood upon my life how do I know that? Because Isaiah would spend the most of the rest of Isaiah, the end of Isaiah telling us about the suffering Savior who is Jesus Christ, who is God manifest in the flesh. And he said a bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. We may be torn apart. We may be in pieces. But there is a God to behold. And I've come to remind TPC and De Quincey on Wednesday night, get your eyes up. Up. Get your hope up. 
get your heart up and behold the God of your salvation. This is the God that we're beholding. God is infinitely powerful enough to save us from our sins. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, whether you believe it or not, God knows exactly everything about you. And yet has the endless capacity to love you. Let me say that again. God knows everything about you. Even those dark moments, those secret times where you think those things are locked away in some deep closet of your emotion and memory. No, God knows it all. And he still has the endless capacity to love you. That's a word I could be comforted by, Pastor. I said, that's a word that I could be comforted by. That means no matter what I'm going through, no matter how inadequate I may feel, no matter how small and feeble my faith may feel, there is a God who is the creator of the universe and he still loves and he still reaches. He's still seeking and saving. Not only is he my comfort, but he's my counselor. Everybody say he's my counselor. Not only is God so vast that the heavens are merely the work of his fingers, Psalm 8.3, but he is also unsurpassable in his wisdom. Isaiah would say in verse 13, if you read it there in your Bible, who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? The answer, of course, is a resounding no one anywhere. God goes on to describe himself. I, in chapter 46, I am God and there is none other. I am God and there is no one like me declaring the end from the beginning from the ancient times things that have not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish it all for my purpose. This is free but I want to throw this in. How many of you have ever had a prophetic word from God? Anybody? How many of you have ever had a promise from God? Guess what? That can't, there, time can't end without that being fulfilled. God's word will be Fulfilled. Every, the Bible says that not one jot or tittle. What does that mean? That's the, the grammar in the Hebrew. Not one little piece of God's word is going to pass away. In other words, what God says goes. There's no contest here because there never were and there never will be any contenders. We might often think that God isn't over his head or simply not in control, but that's the view from a very finite, narrow perspective called humanity. The truth of the matter is, Psalms 33 and 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Amen. And the plans of his heart to all generations. Who could ever tell God what to do? What management consultant firm could be brought in in order to make that determination? What school would God have to attend to in order to be able to make the judgments that he makes and establishes the laws that he has been given. No one shows God how to understand things. In fact, God is the way to all understanding. And absent any awareness of who God is, you might be the smartest person in the Western world, and yet you will still be foolish. You could be a foolish genius. Why? Because all wisdom and understanding comes from God. Amen. So not only is God our creator, not only is he our counselor, not only is he our comforter, but he is our creator. Amen. The God who reveals himself to us in his holy word is infinite. He's eternal. 
He's unchangeable. Unlike his creation, that's us. Tell your neighbor, that's you. We are finite. We are temporal. And we're subject to change at any moment. Just ask your spouse. Isaiah describes him who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, who has marked off the heavens with the span, verse 12, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. The fact is that we don't know God by just investigation, certainly not by our own imagination, but we come to know him by revelation. In other words, God himself is self-announcing. God is the one who brings us to himself. Now I know that's bad English, but hear me out just for a second. God is the one by his grace that found you. I want to help our theology. We didn't find God. Well, that day I found the Lord. No, the reason you found the Lord is because his grace was drawing you to him. No one comes to the Father. Except, I said, no one comes to the Father except who is drawn, what? By the power of God's Spirit. The reason that we all found God is because God has been searching for us, seeking for us. He's still searching and seeking for lost men and women. Why? Because all of creation matters to So the God that created the universe, the God that stood in the middle of nothing and said, let there be. He is also the God who is immediately accessible to us as the shepherd of our soul. The God who is so magnificent and glorious. The God who extends his glory above the heavens. Water covers more than 70% of the earth's surface. And Isaiah said that God holds it in the hollow of his hand. I want you to understand that. We pass by that. We've, we've heard that and we, we pass by that. I want you to stop and think about that. We know that water is in constant motion. Cycles of rain and evaporation. But it is estimated, hear me very carefully, that there is 326 million trillion. That's a lot of zeros. Of salt water in the ocean alone. And God says, Isaiah, I want you to know, I hold it all in the palm of my holy hand. Isaiah will continue and he says, to whom then will you compare me? The Lord says, lift up your eyes on high. And see who has created these, talking about the stars. He brings out their host by number and he calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in his power, not one is missing. In Houston, we don't get it very often but because of all the light pollution, but when you get into a place, that's one reason I love to go to South Texas. A, a few weeks ago, I got to go to South Texas and, and hunt with my dad, and when the, all the lights went out, let me tell you something, when the lights go out in South Texas, the lights go out. I've literally been hunting, Pastor, and you can't even see in front of your hand because it's so dark. But the one thing that you can see is if you'll just lift up your head, and you can see the Milky Way. 
And all, as far as you can see, stars. And you know what they say? They say that when you look at one star, it could actually, that one star, that one dot in the middle of that darkness could be covering an entire other galaxy. Scientists have tried to reach the edge of the universe. They've sent out probes. They've sent out satellites. They've tried to find the edge and they have figured it out that God's universe, our universe is always continuously expanding. Why? Because when God said, let there be, that voice of creation is still reverberating throughout creation. But you got to get this. I'm not trying to teach you a science lesson because I'm not very good at science. Uh, but here's what I do know. I can put two and two together. What is he trying to say? What does this mean? He's saying, look, I know the number of the stars and I know all of their names. Uh, why does this mean to me? Uh, it means that there is nothing that is greater than the God uh, that we serve. Uh, no matter how big the situation looks like in my life, uh, God is greater. Uh, nothing is out of his reach. Nothing can overpower his plan or his will for our lives. So whatever dilemma you may find yourself weakened by today, it cannot overwhelm the power of his strength for your life. Whatever strategy of the enemy, it cannot override the perfected plan of your creator and savior for your life. Whatever darkness has tried to arise and intimidate your faith, it cannot overpower the light of the revelation uh, of the promises that have been spoken uh, over your life. Uh, whatever brokenness and shame uh, has tried to sabotage your future, uh, it cannot overthrow uh, the great grace that covers you past uh, and guarantees you uh, a kingdom future. Uh, whatever broken relationship uh, has left you feeling discarded uh, and your heart crushed, uh, it cannot overthrow the love of the king uh, who desires to win your heart uh, through worship. Uh, whoever has abandoned you slandered you, mishandled you, rejected you, hurt you, or hated you, cannot, will not overcome the power of what God has. If you believe that, you should shout, yes! That's the God that I'm talking about right now. I said, that's the God that I'm talking about right now. That's the God that I'm talking about. Immeasurably vast and boundless. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why he deserves our praise. Let me say that again. That's why he deserves our praise. We've already moved through the most important part of the worship service. God's word, he knows. He's already dictated. He knows what's about to come forth. When the preached word is coming up, I'm not, please don't, Please, I don't want to, maybe I need to qualify myself. God is his word and he knows what's about to come forward. He knows what's about to be preached. But the most important part of this service is when we lift our hands to God, when we connect our spirit and our hearts to him, what are we doing? We are saying, God, I, in my own little pea brain understanding, I've got a realization that you're great enough and big enough. And if I will worship you with a place of awe and reverence and understanding, I know that whatever I'm being faced with on Monday or 
Friday or Saturday, I know that the greatness and the awe and the wonder and the glory of your power. So it doesn't matter if I'm in a gym, on a church service, or on a church campus. I can be in my car on I-45 in Houston. I can be in my car on 12 between here and the Texas border, and I can raise my voice when the enemy comes in like a flood. I said when the enemy comes in like a flood, if we'll just raise our voice, if we'll get our eyes on the glory of this God. He's my comforter. He's my counselor. He's my creator. The last thing, and I'm closing. Not only is all all of these things, but God is in control. I know that there's days that it doesn't feel like it. I know that there's headlines that it doesn't look like it. But let me tell you something. Some puny tyrant in Russia or North Korea is not outside of the control of God. Let me say that again. It doesn't matter how the world powers flex their muscles. God is still in control. If we don't believe that, I'll quote your pastor from Sunday. We need to throw our Bibles in the street and go live like we want to live. Well, there's days, Brother David, that he doesn't feel like he's in control. Let me tell you something. Even the days that it feels out of control in our life, God is still in control. No, 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 let me say that again because that's going to help somebody tomorrow. Even the days when I feel out of control, God's still in control. It doesn't matter what I'm surrounded with. God's got it all surrounded. I know that controller, we don't like that word because we, you know, especially us Western Americans, we don't like to be controlled, Pastor. But let me tell you something. God is sovereign in what he does. And I will never pretend to understand his sovereignty because there's been many times that I've wondered and I've questioned just like you have. But here's what I understand. The wisdom of God is higher than my thoughts. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher above my ways. I don't understand why God does or does not do certain things. But if I'm always focused on trying to figure out what he has not done according to what I think he should do, That's the greatest way and the easiest way to lose my faith. Say, Brother David, what about those times? Have you struggled in your faith? Absolutely, I've struggled in my faith. I've told you that. I sat there with the doctor after my son was born on the second day, a month early. He came out in the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck. Doctor said, most likely your son is probably had some kind of episode, some kind of stroke. He has a hole at the bottom of his spine. There's a scientific name for it, but I think you understand. Your son may never walk again. If he ever does walk, he's probably going to be in a wheelchair or need some help or 
some crutches or some braces. He was so tiny that I could hold him in one hand. They led us into that pre-natal ICU, post-natal, whatever you want to say in the hospital and for a little bit and I held him in my hand. My wife was resting. I said, Lord, I don't know where you're at in this. I've preached, I've prayed. It's all about me, Pastor, you know, what I've done. I don't know where you're at in this. In years, over and over and over, I've struggled. Is that okay for the preacher to admit that? I've struggled. God, where are you at? I know you can do it, God. I've seen you do it. Things pass by. Birthdays. Graduation. All these things where we should be celebrating, but we're not inside. My wife is weeping and grieving because our son doesn't understand. One day, hope this is okay. Amen. Come on, come on. I was assigned to preach a Christmas message. And I prayed. This was when Alex was much younger. The Lord put the verse in my spirit in James. So this is what I want you to preach on. Every good and perfect gift is from the Father above. I said, God, what are you talking about? He said, I want you to go and I want you to preach a Christmas message on how your son who cannot speak or talk or run or acknowledge you like he should is a gift from me. I said, well, Lord, you're going to have to help me out here. Are you talking about the same kid that's in my household? Because I don't think that's too much of a gift. He said, yeah, David, he said, it is a gift because if I had never given you Alex, you would never have the ability to love people that can't love you back. If I had never given you Alex, you would never have the ability to see the best in the brokenness of other people. If I had never given you Alex, you would never have these moments where you have to totally depend on me. And over and over and over in the middle of my disappointment with God, he's reminded me, I'm right here with you. I have never forsaken you. And I'm reminding you right here, David, in the middle of Isaiah 40, Comfort yourself with these words. Get your eyes off of what is in front of you and get your eyes on my glory. I am not disconnected from the reality. I am not disconnected from the reality of what you're going through. I hear the Holy Ghost telling me to sell somebody in this room tonight. God is not disconnected from the reality of the darkness that you may find yourself in. But it is the God who has never left you nor forsaken you. And he has promised to always be with you until the end of time. He is with you in the middle 
of that dark place. You stand. I'm done. Your pastor preached a few weeks ago. I wasn't here, but I watched the message. I'm not quoting him exactly right, but I want to quote him as best as I can. Because it spoke to me in the middle of the journey that we've been on this year. When you can't track God. You can still trust God. Let me say that again. When you can't track him, you can still trust him. In other words, you may not understand what he's doing and where he's going, but you can still trust that his heart is for you, not against you. God knows how we feel. And he knows how we fear. And he is adequate to meet every need. He provides strength and grace that we need to walk in obedience. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you figured this out. But if you put all your trust in your own strength, you're going to fail. If you put all your trust in Washington, D.C. and the stock market and your 401k plan and your good job and your education, I'm going to tell you something, that's eventually going to fail you. That's why Peter would write, he said, I'm writing to those who have been dispersed, those they weren't even in heavy tribulation yet, not till you see later on, because the, the, the letter of Peter was written probably in the 50s and that severe tribulation would come later. We see it in the book of Revelation. But he said, I want to write to you and I want to remind you that you don't just have a hope, but you have a living hope. If Jesus Christ is Lord over your life, if Jesus Christ is Lord over every part of your life, then you've got that hope tonight. Isaiah 41 and 10, fear not, for I'm with you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's with you. Come on, look him right in the eye. Look. God is with you. No, I want you, I want the, you need to let that come out of your mouth. You need to get up in the morning when you go brush your teeth. You need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, God is with me. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The everlasting, amazing, incredible creator of the universe is ready, willing, and eager to strengthen you tonight. If all of this is true, all of these scriptures that I've read to you tonight is true, how many of you believe they're true? All of these promises that God has given Israel and they've given us, how could God be anything other than worthy of our worship? Let me say that again. How could God be anything other than worthy of our worship? Last verse, and I'll leave it with you. But I believe the Lord wants to strengthen someone here tonight. 
could you just reach over and grab your neighbor's hand just if you feel up to it I, I know it's 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 COVID but if you just feel comfortable and I want to read a verse to you that you've heard for years if you've been in church they that wait is the end of the chapter pastor they that wait for the Lord shall he shall renew your strength you know what that word renew here means listen to me very carefully it literally means in the original language that God wants to exchange your weakness for his power are you hearing that for the Lord shall exchange your weakness for his power and you shall mount up with wings like eagles and you shall run even though you may be weary you're not going to be weary you shall walk and you shall not faint behold your God TPC lift up your heads and behold the glory of the God who has come to strengthen you he is your creator he is your comforter he is your counselor and he is in control and if you believe those things he is worthy of our praise lift your hands lift your voice right now I, I, I know I'm over time, but I just feel I just want to pray. For, I just want to pray for those who will be real honest. Five minutes is that okay, Pastor? I just want to pray for the you, you that will be real honest and say. Uh, here lately I've just been weak in my faith would you just step out been weak in my faith I want to pray for those tonight that are facing a circumstance and a situation that you absolutely have have to have God to work to fix. I want you to step out right now. Join us. Sister Kaylee's getting ready to come sing. We're going to praise God, but I want us to pray. All the rest of you, is there some faith-filled people that will join us around the front and help us pray with these that are here right now? Would you just step out right now? I believe in that God is going to touch us right now. I'm believing that right now in the next 60 seconds, two, three minutes, that God is about to exchange your weakness with his power. Right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, I declare by the word, by the word of your power, the promise of your word, by the greatness and the authority of who you are. Hmm. Breathe right now upon this people. I pray for the breath of heaven to come right now. 
I pray for the breath of encouragement to come right now. I pray for the grip of strength to come right now. I pray, God, right now that we would lift our eyes, our ears, our understanding, our attention to heaven, and we would see that you are at work, God, right now in our life, in our situation. Breathe, God, right now into every circumstance, into every need. There is no situation here under the sound of my voice that is impossible for you, Lord. So we speak healing. We speak restoration. We speak renewal. Come on, begin to praise the Lord right now. Just begin to thank him. I tell you what I want you to do. I want you to confess, Lord, you're my strength. I want it to come out of your mouth. I don't want you to confess your problem. Don't pray the problem right now. Pray the promise. Come on, don't declare your problem. Declare the promise. Don't declare the problem. Declare the promise right now. Right now. You're the God who understands. You're the God who has never left me. You're the God who has never forsaken me. You're the God who is my healer. You're the God who is my encourager. Come on, let it come out of your mouth right now. We declare it by the word of our testimony. all of you I appreciate you being here I just don't want any music I just want us to sing this song it's an old song and if you don't know it you should learn it because I'm telling you there's sometimes I don't know what to pray and I just sing because I literally don't even know what to say but you just turn your eyes upon Jesus. Come on, you're the choir. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strong.
strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Come on, sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Lord, we turn our eyes to you, Jesus. Yes, we do. You're our comforter. You're our counselor. You're our creator. You are everything that we need. And we turn our eyes to you tonight. You started this and you're going to finish this. And you do not, you do not ever start something that you don't finish. So thank you for giving us the grace to run this race allowing us to mount up on wings as eagles turn your eyes toward Jesus Brother Grigsby if that was for no one else that was for me thank you brother Grigsby thank you my brother I'm sorry that you've had to go through you and Michelle everything you've gone through but that word right there had blood on it you didn't get that out of a notebook you didn't get that off the internet. God birthed that into your spirit. And we thank you for it. Would you bow your head? Father, you know where each of us are at on our journey. And you know what we have need of even before we have need of it. And there is absolutely that nothing, nothing catches you by surprise. Nothing rocked your world today. God, I thank you that I am anchored to you. And my hope, God, is not in this government. It's not in this president. It's not in, Lord, the leadership of America. But my hope, I'm anchored in you. Thank you for your word. God, we appreciate the word tonight that we heard from the man of God. And we take it and we eat it. And it will be our spiritual bread. And it will strengthen us on our journey. Bring us back at the appointed time, Lord. And we pray that just the divine move of your presence would be in this house. God, touch people's lives. Transform. Transform us. Heal us. Help us. In Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, help us not to just think of ourselves, but help us to think of others. Father, put us at the right place at the right time. Give us the right words to speak. Help us to know when to open our mouth and when to keep it closed. And God, we give you all the thanks, the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say amen. amen. You're such a sweet people. Would you turn around and give some love away? A kind word, a hug. 
handshake, a pat on the back. Thank you. May you go in the strength of this word. Why don't you, if, if this word blessed you, why don't you come and tell Brother Grigsby? Thank you.